Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Grassroots Melissa Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Baba Tahuti Wesley Grace, speaking to you live from New York City this Sunday evening, the 18th of May, 2014. Again, it's a pleasure to have you join us this evening, and it's um, also a pleasure to have our invited guests with us to share with us some wisdom and knowledge uh, about health as it is related to those of us of African descent here in the United States and throughout the African diaspora. And as always, we start by giving praise and homage to the one most high God, to our ancestors, to my lovely wife and my dear mother, uh, and all of my, uh, my siblings, indeed my daughter and her family, and those of you throughout the cyber community and social network community, family and friends, I give thanks to you and I send thee blessings. Namaste, peace and love. Um, this evening, again, we have the privilege of having a, a, a friend and uh, colleague and, and uh, fellow activist within our community who also happens to be a doctor. Um, but a doctor coming from the uh, persuasion of natural, uh, pathic, homeopathic, if you will, grassroots level healing. And uh, his name is Dr. Christopher Sawpaw. And for those of you who are hearing about him for the first time or uh, did not have the privilege of uh, being present at the previous show in which he's been interviewed, he's actually been on a couple of times in the past, uh, Dr. Christopher Sawpaw uh, received his Bachelor of Science in Material Science Engineering from Rutgers University and his Doctorate of Naturopathic Medicine from Boston University and his Master's in Acupuncture from the New York College of Traditional Chinese Medicine. He also has a, a lifelong dedication to healing and has worked with patients suffering from many different health conditions such as obesity, diabetes, hypertension, HIV, AIDS, and cancer while he was living in Seattle. And prior to his medical school, Dr. Sopar helped found a mentoring program for adolescents uh, who were struggling to become conscious and positive adults. He's also worked with several years experience in the foster care system and with uh, troubled youth and as well as within the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industries. He has worked for six years as a director of nutrition at the Invite Health uh, Services since opening up his practice in New York City in uh, 2005. Dr. Sopar has worked extensively in helping individuals manage their blood pressure and blood sugar 
with a regimen of diet, nutrition, and exercise. Uh, Dr. Sawpaw has joined a team of alternative health practitioners at the Peace Health Center in Brooklyn, New York, to help combat the growing health crises in the inner city and particularly in the African-American community. And having completed training in naturopathic cardiology, he has conducted detoxification programs, managed sliding scale acupuncture clinics, and has used acupuncture to help numerous individuals with musculoskeletal pain as a result of traumatic injury and nutrition or some inflammatory process. And Dr. Sopar has received his acupuncture on ecology training and from the renowned Sloan Kittering Cancer Center. So at this point, without any further ado, uh, I would like to invite Dr. Sopar to join us and to share his wisdom and experience and, of course, to touch the, uh, uh, the nerves, no pun intended, of those of us who have a condition and, and have an interest in terms of the modalities of healing that he is able to present. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, and my, my dear wife is present as well. Uh, she just walked into the, into the uh, studio and, uh, of course, she will be sharing some thoughts with us as well as interacting with Dr. Saltpaw. So without any further ado, I, I uh, invite uh, Dr. Saltpaw and my dear wife, uh, Dora, to join us. And uh, Dr. Saltpaw, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Thank you so much for the introduction. It's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And thank you so much for uh, joining us this evening. Yeah, I appreciate once again being with you and being with your listening audience. Uh, it's, it's always fun. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, of course, I, I would have to acknowledge and introduce my wife being present uh, and joining us as well. Hi, Chris. How are you? Wonderful. How are you doing, Dora? Good to, good to hear your voice. Doing great. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So, uh, indeed, we have a, a nice, uh, sunny day that we've had this, this af during the day, this afternoon, and the evening is also very uh, 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 enjoyable in terms of weather. How's things out in your way, by the way? Uh, we had a, a beautiful day here. I, I was in Manhattan most of the day, but I got back home um, near Peekskill, um, which is where I live, um, around 4 o'clock, and I was able to uh, go out with my daughter a little bit, and we played in the backyard, and... Um, we have some uh, animals around our house, um, uh, chickens and such, and so uh, we like wow. to uh, we like to mess around outside with the uh, with the animals. So we had a good time. Great! All right, that must be quite an experience to have chickens in the in the in the presence. Yeah, um, it's something that's new to us, and so it's uh, we uh, this summer we decided to raise chickens and have a big garden. So um, we're we're really getting to the roots, and so. Uh, our chickens are providing us with um, some really wonderful eggs. I, I know some folks don't eat them, but, mm -hmm. you know, if uh, grass feeds your uh, chickens and, and um, feeds them flaxseed or uh, shelled flaxseed and, and um, chia seed, they make really wonderful uh, high omega-3 eggs. Um, you know, the color of the yolk is almost as uh, orange as, uh, you know, <laughs> an orange. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yellow, so um, uh, lots of nutrients there, and carotene and and um, vitamin A. So absolutely wonderful. Well, that's that's exciting, and I, I look forward to one day my wife and I both to uh, being able to share uh, the experience of yeah, absolutely. Uh, playing playing with the animals. <laughs> <laughs> or should I say, not only playing but also acknowledging them and 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 giving them love and and um, and, and joy. Absolutely. I mean, if you guys eat eggs, I can bring you some eggs by too. You can you can uh, taste the difference between kind of like a, uh, um, a you know a manufactured egg um, versus some someone that's kind of uh, grown out of your own backyard and that's grass fed and taken care of and respected, uh, uh -huh. etc. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah, unfortunately, you know, we're vegetarians. But that's I right. Eat eggs. My, my husband won't, but I sure will. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, so we have a candidate over here in Dora. That's right. <laughs> he does his thing, I do mine. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, but that's great, though, uh, Chris, you know, that um, you are taking uh, part of uh, the uh, the paradigm shift, if you will, and going back to the traditions that have proven to be uh, very healthy and, and, and successful in terms of uh, self-sustaining um, you know, our food source. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much more we need to learn and uh, that I need to learn. And, um, you know, it, it seems like the more and more I learn and hear about how our food has been um, damaged and um, manufactured and um, prefabricated and genetically modified and uh, pesticided, you know, um, the more I'm... Um, motivated to do this and so i think that i'm going to be doing this a lot more i i honestly think it's probably one of the, the only ways that you can get like a, a good healthy produce and and not like um you know uh, kill your wallet doing it so um you know i'm i'm just uh trying i think what a lot of people are doing you know and and and, and you know as you're speaking i i um i smell another uh show uh, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You, know, you can teach me a lot in terms of your raising, um, growing your produce. You know, that's something I. I'm learning so much. I just uh, love it. It's uh, my second year doing a garden, and my first with chickens. And so, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I don't know what I'm going to grow to next year. We don't have much property, and I think the neighbors are already mad enough about the chickens. But next next year, <laughs> we see what we. Do. <laughs> Tell me, do you have a rooster, or is that something that's not No, we, uh, we have three chickens, and um, okay. no, we don't have a rooster. Okay, all right. So then uh, that, that'll keep the neighbors at bay a little bit, at least, you know, without having the... Yeah, they'd have to get up at the crack of dawn with yeah. a rooster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, indeed, it's a pleasure to have you with us again, Chris. And, um, you know, we have quite a few questions uh, that uh, we'd like to ask, and of course, uh, those of us uh, who are in the chat room and uh, also who are listening, I'm sure, would like to call in if they would like to. They're still free to call in, but remember to uh, press the number one button on your dial, and that would indicate to me that you're raising your hand, and of course, you can share your thoughts and comments with us and, and uh, ask Dr. Salk for any questions that you may have. Uh, what I'd like to do is start off with uh, you sharing with us, uh, Dr. Sopor, the history of, of uh, acupuncture and acupressure. If you could, you know, briefly uh, share with us some thoughts within that. Sure. I think there's just some key phases in the uh, um, the history of acupuncture and acupressure. There's probably like three or four different transitions that were made. Uh, over many, many years. Um, you know, acupun acupuncture and acupressure probably started around the same time. Some even believe that acupressure probably uh, predates acupuncture. Um, so uh, the precise date is unknown. Uh, however, people estimate that um, the system arose about 5,000 years ago is what, is what uh, most people kind of like agree on. Um, and the place of origin is disputed, believe it or not. Um, I think 90% of the people, uh, historians in this topic, probably believe that China is, is uh, where it all started. Uh, but, you know, if it starts in one area, it's probably people in another area are also doing it. And so there's evidence that it actually, uh, that uh, people in India or even Africa could have been doing it um, before. Um, mm -hmm. But again, most experts uh, say that it started or derived from China. And the first evidence that uh, was discovered in China uh, were sharpened stones, um, and they were laid in this arrangement that indicated to archaeologists or people doing the dig that um, it was a place where ceremonies were performed or it was a place where people were healed or it was a place where medical procedures were performed. The name of the stones were uh, B and Xi. Um, and this, this time was it, it predated... Um, uh, the, the metal age, and so it's more like, um, and they think that the stones were from the Stone Age or the New Stone Age, the Neolithic time, and that could have been as much as 10,000 years ago. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, this system has been developed for many, many years. Um, hieroglyphs or pictographs um, dated about 1,500 years ago were the first ones discovered that actually kind of laid out the meridians and the points. And the meridians are basically um, connections between the different organs or kind of like paths where um, they extrapolated that our energy is flowing. And um, it's connected to the acupuncture points. And so uh, the first hieroglyphs or pictograms were about 1,500 years ago B.C., before Christ, so actually 3,500 years ago. Um, And the earliest needles uh, um, were about, and see, in metal. And so the earliest needles that were metal, metallic, uh, were about 200 years before Christ, Um, so uh, 2,200 years ago. Um, the earliest written text, for instance, uh, was the Huan Di Naijing, the Yellow Emperor, and this is the text that is the seminal text in all acupuncture, pretty much. It's our foundation. And this was about the same time, about 200 years B.C. Um, and this is kind of like when acupuncture began to change a bit, because prior to that, um, most acupuncture was practiced um, not just with needles or with the points, but with heat, moxa. And so moxa was a larger part of ac- acupuncture um, than just using needles. Now moxa is still used, and moxa is kind of using heat in an herb, um, uh, a mugwort. It's a, it's a it's a herb that's um, burned over the points, over specific points, over the meridian to, pro- to uh, cause a reaction. Um, that's also practiced in acupuncture, modern acupuncture, but it's not as big a part. You know, what we think about as acupuncture is insertion of fine needles. But then they say acupuncture was more moxa. And so this is a time where acupuncture began to um, turn and begin to focus more on the use of metal or needles and the insertion of needles. Um, and that really became prominent about two years before Christ. Um, after that, it spread throughout Asia and other parts of Europe. And um, in about uh, ni- the 1950s, um, and a few years before that, China was going through a cultural revolution and a civil war, um, kind of like the Chinese Revolution. And they wanted to redefine what was uh, what we now know as classical acupuncture and make it like more scientific and um, supported by scientific facts and beliefs. There was also political and um, social and, and I think, spiritual and uh, economic motivations behind changing classical Chinese medicine to what is now traditional Chinese medicine. But when you're in acupuncture school, you, you, most acupuncture schools teach a little bit of both. Traditional Chinese medicine, which is the um, post-1950s type of acupuncture, and they mm-hmm. teach classical Chinese acupuncture, which is everything before that, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, and there's yeah. cross there. So any school you go to is probably going to teach um, a little bit of both. Some schools tend to focus on classical, like uh, there's one school here in New York City called Swedish Institute, and there's a gentleman named Jeffrey Ewan who his lineage is um, 88 generations of Taoist um, acupuncturists. And so he's got kind of... Um, um, body of fam- familial wisdom that's passed down from 88 generations. And um, he is someone who trains people here in New York City in classical acupuncture. This obviously predates 1950. So mm-hmm. um, 1972 is when in the United States uh, acupuncture became more prominent, and that's when Richard Nixon uh, um, had had gone to China and observed acupuncture anesthesia being performed. And uh, after that, it became... Um, you know, it, it became a little bit prominent in the United States. Hmm. Very, very interesting. So yeah. This, the, the, what you mentioned, though, in terms of the acupuncture, that there's a debate, it's not a debate, a conversation about its origin, whether it be from India or Africa, as opposed to what's widely believed to be um, China as the... Um, the birth of acupuncture, or acupuncture, and acupuncture. Um, so right, that's something know, I guess. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? 
Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, I think even to this day, I was reading something recently about a um, a people in Africa that practice a form of um, acupressure um, or scratching over particular points, and they found that where these people are scratching at or pressing at, it's very closely related to the acupuncture points that we know of, um, the traditional Chinese medicine people uh, know of. Um, and so they, they, they say that they've been, been practicing this for, for many, many generations and many, many years. So, um, I mean, I think it's almost with anything. If, if something, if a system is going to arise in somewhere, some, some place, it's not going to just be in that place. It's not necessarily that uh, a person is bringing something to another place. It's kind of like this, um, kind of like a mass wisdom type of thing. So if you kind of understand something, um, if you get an understanding of something from the universe, probably people in other areas or other parts of the world are going to have access to that same knowledge. And I think that um, that's been demonstrated in India where they found hieroglyphs of folks who um, had meridian system laid out over their body and the same thing in Africa. We don't know who came first. I don't really know if it matters. I think probably what happened is, is that similar systems were practiced in many different places um, um, around the same time, but it's in China that the system kind of um, developed and became um, what it is today. Because mm-hmm. it really doesn't, I mean, there's a part of Ayurvedic medicine that has, um, they say that it has uh, connections to meridians and acupuncture points, but it's not widely practiced like it is in China. And Ayurvedic medicine is supposed to be much older than uh, Chinese medicine. So, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's kind of um, the history there. Right. Without getting into the politics of it and, and the nationalist uh, orientation, it, it would appear, and this is my next question also, but we can segue into that, but it, it, it seems that those of us, particularly of African descent, uh, are, if not as much as it was years ago, have a certain bias that things that are not really proven to be mainstream, as it were, uh, European-oriented slash Western-oriented, that they pull from that, you know, or don't, or can't be persuaded to embrace, uh, say, for instance, something that comes from from China or India and, indeed, Africa. Uh, and I think right now we have those of our community who say, once you say this came from Africa, they may want to gravitate to it more readily. And so the debate can go on in terms of the origin of acupuncture, acupuncture and acupressure, but I, I think that if there was someone to say that, hey, we can prove empirically as well as, uh, you know, from a scientific and historical level that it orig- originated with them, uh, from Africa, that that might have somewhat of a, uh, a mass appeal amongst those of, of African descent. But uh, be as it be, though, I think many people in our communities, from whatever um, persuasion and orientation, are beginning to realize that uh, uh, holistic and naturopathic medicine has to be recognized as a as a positive alternative. And um, I think that we're now at the precipice, if you will, of this beginning to become widespread and widely accepted. So, uh, again, you know, you being one who's practicing, you're a master acupuncturist and a naturopathic doctor, that um, you're, in a sense, being a pioneer. And um, I, I applaud that. Which brings me to this question about the month of May. This may be designated as a natural mental health month. Um, could you please tell those of us who are listening, um, especially from the African-American community and those who are living throughout the African diaspora, how can they benefit from the treatment of acupuncture and naturopathic medicine? Um, I think that they can benefit in many ways, um, even beyond what we know about mental health. Like one of the first studies done on acupuncture here in the United States was on depression. And um, 34 females were diagnosed with depression. And, I mean, when I say diagnosed with depression, they met all the criteria 
or most of the criteria for being diagnosed as depressed. Um, they split them apart in three groups. The first group received acupuncture specifically tailored to the, their depression. The second group received a general acupuncture treatment that wasn't very specific to depression. And the third group, they just didn't even get treatment. Basically what the study found is was more, more, uh, more than 50% of the participants um, uh, who took the, who were from the tailored acupuncture treatment group um, had a significant reduction in their symptoms. Um, compared with the other groups, it really didn't help that much. And so that was like one of the first studies that really kind of um, tuned Americans into how this could help. And so um, certainly I would say that uh, uh, depression and stress and um, uh, a lot of psycho-emotional psycho issues impact our community for various different reasons, whether, whether or not it's uh, related to just the um, um, what African Americans have to uh, face on a day-to-day -day basis, the stresses of being black in this society and, the, and um, those day-to-day -day pressures, I think acupuncture can definitely benefit uh, us in many different ways. Yes, yes. Well, that's something that uh, we look forward to being able to spread the word and to be a positive influence of, of this happening as being an ex, as, as a normal practice for uh, becoming healthy mm -hmm. and getting rid of the whatever diseases and and uh, illnesses that may be prevalent within our family and community. Uh, what is the difference, doctor, between the two? that being acupuncture and acupressure. Could you share that um, insight? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, so obviously acupuncture is the insertion of really fine needles um, into specific points on the body. Uh, the points lie over meridians. Sometimes they're outside of the meridians, whereas acupressure is just using um, pressure applied by one's hand or by an instrument, if, if you will, um, it involves the fingers and, in some cases, the toes. Some people tend to use their toes with acupressure. Um, and the key here is that uh, you want to focus on uh, points on the surface of the skin to stimulate the body's natural ability to heal itself. Um, pr pressing on the points, um, like inserting needles into the points, is supposed to help relieve tension in muscles. It's supposed to promote the circulation of blood and, and the chi, the energy, mm -hmm. to help to it helps to stimulate the healing process. Um, and so I think that acupuncture and acupressure are quite alike. Uh, in fact, acup acupressure is referred to as needleless acupuncture um, because both forms of healing use the same points to achieve uh, the desired results. Okay. Um, yeah. Interesting. So, so in, in other words, one can obtain the same benefits residual benefits from uh, acupuncture as well as acupressure? Um, for, the, for the most part, yeah. I, I think that there may be some, uh, you know, there's probably more information conducted on acu acupuncture versus acupressure in that um, scientists have been trying to prove the uh, um, mechanism behind acupuncture for a longer time than acupressure. And so we know certain things happen when we insert needles like um opioids are secreted or endorphins are secreted. I'm not sure if that same effect happens with acupressure, mm. but I think that it does. I think that if you want to compare the mechanism of action to of anything, of any other healing modality, you may compare acupressure with massage therapy in its mechanism mm -hmm. to heal and that it, it's going to um, help to reduce tension, which um, if you're reducing stress, you're not secreting as much cortisol, and that has an impact on your immune system that has a, an impact on your general well-being also. And I think acupressure would have that kind of um, mechanism of action. So um, I think that's not well um, studied or well elucidated, but, um, but neither is it with acupressure. Um, so I think that there may be a, a little bit of difference there is what I'm saying, but other than that, I feel like they're pretty much um, the same. You're using the same points. You're following the same meridians. You would use the same diagnosis to choose which points to put the pressure over in acupressure. Um, so, yeah, you would look at a person's tongue, you would feel the pulse, so it's basically the same system. 
Okay. All right. So, so that's the, the next question that I would have, though, is you know there are many books and YouTube videos and such that teach and give instructions on acupuncture as well as acupressure. Um, more so with acupressure, I, I've noticed, and I have a few books of my own that I own. My wife and I both. But common sense would tell you that one should not use or attempt to treat oneself or anyone with acupuncture treatment, primarily because of the dangers of infection and other internal, possible internal negative results. However, it, it seems, Chris, that many feel that acupuncture, or acupressure rather, is not as risky given the nature of it, of it being non-invasive to the body tissue. Uh, would you please share your thoughts on this matter? I would agree that it's not as risky, but I believe that there are risks um, when you're doing acupressure. Um, so, if again, if you want to use uh, massage therapy as the model, because, um, you know, when you're going to school for massage therapy, um, you're taught that if you put pressure over a certain place, it can lead to bruising and discomfort. Um, you know, you have to be careful when you put pressure over the abdomen, the groin, armpits, the throat, if people have a special condition, if a woman's pregnant, for instance, which is not a condition, but if, for instance, if someone has peripheral neuropathy or if someone has cancer or if they've got burns or scars or infections on their skin or skin lesions, obviously you want to pay attention to that and be careful. So in that way, there are risks. Um, um, but I would definitely say that it is far less risky than inserting a needle through someone's skin and that I think that you probably need to have a better understanding of anatomy in that way, um, mm -hmm. of structures lying beneath the surface of the skin, um, uh, and how to, how to manage the situations where um, there's bleeding or if you've pricked a nerve or if you've pricked a blood vessel. And so I can definitely see that there's probably um, more risk there. Um, this is why I think that even with acupressure, you want to you wanna go to someone who's at least taken up on themselves to study. You want to um, maybe go to someone licensed or go to someone who is um, well-read or has, has had a teacher or something like that because, again, there are risks. You know, when people practice massage therapy, they got to go to school for like three years and study anatomy and physiology because, you know, if, if you don't know better to, than to stay away from someone's leg who has a um, blood clot in their leg, if you don't know not to do that, then you can be massaging over somebody's leg and um, dislodge a blood clot and cause them to have a stroke, you know. Um, that's, wow. why some, that's why some kind of uh, uh, medical uh, um, wisdom or some kind of medical training is necessary in that respect. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Very interesting. You know, Dora would like to ask you a question. Um, she has some thoughts that she'd like to share. Um, sure, sure. I, I had a couple of questions. Um, one concerning diabetes, of course, because that's my, my thing, and um, the other as far as autism. And I was wondering, like I know this is supposed to be National Autism Month. And, right. Um, yeah, and um, I was wondering, since acupuncture assists very much with depression and moods and things like that, is it used to treat autism? Uh, yeah. Um, it, it, so I, I would have to back up. Um, first, I would have to say um, that the problem with um, autism is that oftentimes, you know, you're treating children. And so mm -hmm. I think that there's a bigger issue with whether or not an acupuncturist would want, to, would want to treat a child. And sometimes we're fine with treating a child, but, you know, um, would a child like to have needles pressed into them? And, you know, um, even if you're doing acupressure, would a child like sit steady so that you could um, put pressure on different points? Would they be able to sit there for like 10, 15 minutes while you're doing that and 20 minutes to 30, 40 minutes, however long it takes for them to lay on a table. I think that that's uh, um, part of the problem. But um, in Chinese medicine, um, reason and awareness, which are strongly affected by autism, are primarily ruled by three organ systems. And so the heart, the spleen, and the kidney would be the organs that we would treat in Chinese medicine primarily if we're seeing someone with autism. Mm -hmm. um, 
The spleen is linked to a mind's ability to study, to memorize, and to concentrate. Kidney chi rules over long-term memory. And the heart holds the mind or shen or the, um, the soul, so to speak. Um, it rules mental functionings, and it includes the emotional, which includes emotional state and kind of like your short-term memory. And so um, there's actually texts in Chinese medicine. Um, one is written by uh, Mary uh, um, Sissy, I think her name is. I can't really remember her, her, her last name, but um, uh, I believe the name in the text is Chinese Medicine and Autism, uh, and it's for parents, teachers, and physicians. And um, she, she uh, talks about a mechanism behind um, how to treat autism with Chinese medicine. And so it's uh, um, well studied um, and from a Chinese medicine perspective. And also there's studies, um, you know, academic studies. There's uh, research studies um, on, uh, for instance, children who received um, um, child, children with childhood uh, autism had received acupuncture treatments. And um, uh, what, what happened was they took this group of, um, uh, I believe it was like 50 uh, kids with, with autism, and they did uh, scans of their brain, spec scans of their brain, which were able to show uh, different regions of their brain and different lesions in their brain, and the lesions were associated with um, their autism. And they showed those scans before and after an acupuncture treatment was done. And they showed that the acupuncture helped to increase circulation to uh, the brain globally and to those specific regions in the brain that are related to autism. What that translates to is that uh, they saw some symptomatic relief um, in those children. Whether or not that relief remained for a long time is another story, but immediately after acupuncture treatment for a few hours after, we know that children get symptomatic relief from acupuncture treatments based on um, bringing blood flow and blood circulation to the brain. So absolutely, um, acupuncture could be used that way, uh, and it has been. It has been studied, and its mechanism has been elucidated um, from a Chinese medicine perspective, and it's talked about or studied um, scientifically. But to get a child to, you know, I've tried to treat children, and to get a child to just sit for a long time and allow you to put needles into them, it's a bit tricky, as you can imagine. So um, in my practice, I've uh, had the opportunity to treat a few children before, and, uh, you know, you have some children who would um, sit, sit steady for a treatment and not run out the room, and you have some kids that as soon as you take out a needle, they're going to jump off the table and run out the room. So <laughs> That's awesome, though, because one of my coworkers has an autistic son, and I was thinking of her because something told me that I bet, you know, I didn't know, but I said I bet, you know, that acupuncture could probably help her son, but... Knowing, knowing him, I haven't met him in person, but I've, you know, interacted with him over the phone a little bit. He's functional, mm-hmm. but I don't think, um, and his name is Christopher, and uh-huh. I, don't think he would, I don't think he would sit still. But see, there's certainly a process to that, right? And so maybe your first session you would show, show him, show Kristen needles. The second session maybe we'll put one needle in. The third session maybe, um, you know, um, we do some acupressure with acupuncture. The fourth session, maybe we use a few more needles. So, you know, I think in that way um, I can see it working, and that's what they actually teach you to. That's how they teach you to kind of um, work with this population of people in that there is definitely a way that you have to kind of orient your treatment um, so that they're going to get some benefit and so that um, they're not going to run out the room. And so... um, that's a big deal when you're when you're seeing this uh, population of people. <laughs> okay, great. Well, my other question was about diabetes. So, can the needles be put into the meridian that leads to the pancreas and and just like can you work with me with that? <laughs> you know, I'm just wondering. A few things there, right? And so. Um, so first of all, I, I think that when you're when you're dealing with someone who has diabetes, you have to kind of um, uh, think about like their system or the health of their nervous system and the health of their skin. So if they've got like peripheral neuropathy, or if they've got lesions on their skin because they've got pressure sores, 
uh, and their skin's debriding or breaking down because their blood sugar's been so high, then you have to be more careful about putting a needle in someone's skin or even doing acupressure, right? Because if someone has perforopathy or if they've got wounds or lesions on their skin, um, that's something that we would want to stay away from. Um, but certainly um, you would look at someone's tongue and you would look at their pulse and you would get a sense of, in Chinese medicine terms, what is this functioning? And you would allow your Chinese medicine diagnosis to lead you to where you would put those points. And so for a lot of times when you see people who have uh, diabetes, you would look at their tongue and you would see a tongue that's a bit swollen and um, uh, perhaps a little pale. And most of the time it's like a spleen chi deficiency, a spleen yang, spleen yang deficiency, and you would treat it as such. And so um, I think the spleen is, is very much the functions of the spleen. You could, uh, a, a lot of ways, if you if you can do this, you can connect them to how these pancreas functions and that the spleen is the organ that really helps you to assimilate your nutrients. Um, but acupuncture and studies have been found to um, help people with diabetes, improve their ability to um, metabolize and use sugar. It helps your lipids, so it can help your cholesterol. It can help um, your triglycerides primarily. It um, helps to restore the functions, the functions of your peripheral nerves. So the nerves that are mostly affected when your blood sugar is high are those nerves that are kind of like in your nerve endings like your feet and your 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 um your hands and your toes and your your um fingers mm-hmm. and so acupuncture can help in that way restore the functioning of those nerves and actually a study was performed by Chinese scientists to explore the mechanism of acupuncture um and um they found that opioid release and releasing endorphins help people decrease pain um who who had peripheral neuropathy and this happened um i think um Within three treatments, they're able to get some um, benefit from it. And so there's many studies that um, help uh, and prove that acupuncture actually even actually works and even helping to um, um, ma- helping people to manage their blood sugar better. And so um, there's actually one study where they had like 64 um, diabetics and they split them into two groups one group they treated with acupuncture, the other they treated with dietary therapy, which was like, um, you know, um, reducing carbohydrates or, or simple carbohydrates and sugars and putting them on mostly protein and and um, and um, fiber. And so the researchers observed that after two courses of treatments that um, the blood sugar after um, you, they did the treatment was decreased more in the acupuncture group than it was in the group that was doing the dietary modifications. And so I think that that's incredible because, you know, diabetes is all about, you know, what you're putting in your body, what you're eating, right, for the most part. Acupuncture um, mm-hmm. does very well in helping to reduce, um, helping people manage the blood sugar levels. So, yes, um, I've treated um, and helped, I think, many, many people um, manage their um, um, blood sugar and diabetes with ac- with acupuncture. Wonderful. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, that's uh, needless to say, great news, and um, we're looking forward to talk with you more about that, uh, doctor. Yeah, absolutely. So at this time, I'd like to take a short break and return with Doctor Saltfall with the a knowledge that he's sharing with us regarding his profession as a naturopathic doctor and uh, master acupuncturist. So please stay with us, and we'll be back momentarily. Celebrities and professional athletes 
or raving about. It's called Chia Vida, and it's a unique blend of premium exotic fruits and botanicals like the acai berry, which is called the wine of the Amazon, and yerba mate tea, which is like a green tea, and it's called the beverage of the gods. They're both from the Brazilian rainforest, which is the national drink of four South American countries. This drink is designed to enhance whole body wellness, to bolster the immune system, to quickly increase energy, and to support weight management by boosting metabolism and controlling appetite as it assists in leveling one's blood sugar, just to mention a few of its benefits. Within minutes of drinking just one or two ounces, Chia Vida delivers a surge of smooth, sustained energy that lasts for hours, not minutes, along with greater mental clarity and focus and a feeling of calmness and well-being Chia Vida is an energy surge without the sugar rush, without the jitters, and without the crash and burn or harmful side effects that many other products can produce. Chia Vida is an all-natural, delicious, functional health beverage that most people feel results from the very first time that they tried, and subsequently they want to drink it over and over again. Even though people consistently drink for the immediate results, the amazing thing is that the longer someone drinks Chia Vida, the more improvement they notice in their overall health. For more information, please go to healthisalwayswealth.com. Again, that's healthisalwayswealth.com. Or you can call 888-338-2508. Again, that's 888-338-2508. And thank you all for holding on. And uh, Dr. Sopor, thank you so much for uh, for your uh, participation and sharing this valuable information. And um, we really appreciate you uh, being with us this evening. I, I am so enjoying being here, and I really appreciate the uh, opportunity once again to um, share with your listening audience. So again, thank you so much. Uh, you're so welcome. So we're, we're winding down towards the end of the show, and I have a few more questions that uh, I have that may be of interest, may be sh- shared interest with the listening audience. And um, I'm so happy that Dora got a, 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 an opportunity to share uh, her thoughts and ask you a few questions. And I wanted to know, honey, do you have any other questions that you'd like to, to ask? Oh, I have tons of questions for future shows. I, I would end up monopolizing the time. Right. I don't want to do that. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to that. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, Doctor, a few of the questions that I have that I think would be of utmost uh, interest, With uh, one is uh, dealing with something that's very prevalent within our community as well as others, uh, and that is amongst us elders. Uh, those of us who are challenged with dementia and uh, Alzheimer's and so forth. Could you share with us your thoughts in terms of the benefits, if, if not benefits, of, of um, being treated with acupuncture and, and acupressure? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, dementia and Alzheimer's both have in studies been proven to um, um, improve symptoms uh, or have uh, have improved symptoms if um, you're getting acupuncture done. And so um, there's a specific type of dementia that's caused by um, damaged blood vessels. And so if you have a damaged blood vessel, um, your circulation, the circulation to your brain and throughout your body, but particularly through your brain is what we're talking about with strokes, um, could cause deprivation of oxygen and nutrients uh, to that brain. And this kind of... Um, this kind of dementia is called vascular dementia, and they investigated a bunch of people who had this, um, and they gave them acupuncture, and it helped to improve their reasoning, memory, and general cognition. And mm. also, a committee called the World Alzheimer's Conference, uh, World Alzheimer's uh, Committee, and they had a conference in Washington D.C. 
Um, I think um, they have it like yearly, but I think the most recent one where they um, talked about um, acupuncture, I believe it was like two or three years ago. And um, they talked about two separate studies, um, one done at Wellesley College and the other one done at, I believe, the University of Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And um, they both found that acupuncture can increase Alzheimer's patients' um, verbal and motor skills. It can help to improve, um, also improve their mood and um, cognitive functioning. And so uh, with all of the studies that I mentioned, we have um, great evidence that it actually does help. And I've actually um, had some patients in the past who I've treated with acupuncture um, and regularly, and I think that, um, you know, a, a lot of times to get results from acupuncture, you just can't come like once a, once a month. You know, you got to make it kind of like a regular Thing. And so I think that that's the caveat with acupuncture. A lot of times folks uh, here just don't have the money to to get the benefit of it. And so I think a lot of these studies, you, you see people having, like, acupuncture three times a week, you know. Um, but how many people do you know that can afford getting acupuncture three times a week? Not many, especially if they're living in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and so this particular gentleman was able to come like twice a week, and I think that he um, – I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of one particular gentleman, um, gentleman um, who I saw two times a week, and he really had some benefit, I think, from uh, the acupuncture. He had dementia. And so um, I definitely I believe that it can help. Great. That's good news, um, primarily because uh, our mother uh, – Dora, why don't you share with him? Well, my mom, my mom had a stroke in 2000, and um, for the longest, and they they have her diagnosed now as um, that she has um, dementia, and for the longest, she didn't know who I was, and it, it was just a really bad scene. And but she's but the good news is she's 91 years old now. And she's feeling a lot better. And each time we go and see her, her memory is coming back and her speech and everything because she basically lost the right side of her body and her speech. Wow, and she's 91 and she's still recovering like that. That's amazing. She's still recovering, Chris, because even though, like, we went to see her last week for Mother's Day, and I was shocked. I said to her, Mommy, I'm going to, to wipe your eyes for you. And um, normally, like, she'll just, you know, just say whatever and, you know, you do whatever you need to do. And she, I put the, um, I, I had a wet a napkin and I was wiping her eye and she said to me that it was too cold. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she, she never had, she hasn't had that level of functionality. This is the best I've seen her. And she said, oh, it was too cold. And then I, I warmed it up. I ran some warm water over it, and I said, is this better? And she said, yes, thank you. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's getting better. Yeah. Then she started talking about Wesley. <laughs> you know, not, she doesn't talk in, in big sentences. She talks in, in small sentences now, but she's well, I hope she's saying nice things. <laughs> well, look, sometimes she does, sometimes she doesn't, but she loves to laugh, and she's very personable. And uh, she understands what's going on. So my uh, thing is, if she can recover at her age like that, uh, you know, that's why I had asked Wesley to ask about acupuncture because um, right. she's recovering on her own. So imagine, you know, adding acupuncture to it. She'd probably be, be speaking very well, you know. And, and like you said, the key, though, is that it has to be um, consistent and it can't be like a once-in-a-while thing, because I know when I had acupuncture for my car accident, I had it three times a week. Right. Uh, and, and I know a couple of times I wasn't able to go, and just um, the difference between two times a week and three times a week, I felt the difference. I really right. did. So I think so that that's, would, yeah. uh, I would have to say, I think that that's why it's really important that people also consider acupressure, because this is something that, you know, um, if you have a relationship with your acupuncturist, maybe they can teach you points to press on um, in the interim, right? And so if you are, if you want to, for instance, um, do some work with your mom, uh, I can show you some points, for instance, like on a gallbladder meridian that runs through the head uh, or the stomach meridian that runs through the head that you can do um, that may benefit her and that can help, uh, or the bladder meridian for that, for that matter. And so... Um, 
and you can do that with acupressure and okay. get her once in a while. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I think that, you know, we, we started off the conversation, uh, this talk about differences in acupressure and acupuncture. I think what acupressure allows you to do is get instructions so that you can do it on your own, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, under the guidance of an acupuncturist, someone licensed, and they'd say, okay, well, palpate this point and do this and do that, um, you can you can um, cause some stimulation of blood flow to those areas in the brain for your mom and um, when she's not getting acup- acupuncture. So I think that that is um, that's a way that you can you can possibly remedy that. You know. I'll do it. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so awesome. much. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. That's awesome. And um, this... I, I'm sorry, honey. I just have a quick question, sure. Chris. With um, the acupressure. Are the meridian, are the points the same as when you're studying reflexology? Is that the same thing? I believe that there's some overlap there, but I don't, I don't believe that they're all the, exactly the same. The acupressure points are, are the same as the acupuncture points. It's the same exact uh-huh. system. You're just using your finger as opposed to your, your, um, um, the needle. But with, with reflexology, I believe that, um, th- there is some overlap, but all of the points that we use in acupuncture aren't used by reflexologists, and vice okay. versa. Yeah. Okay, but this is great, because I do have reflexology books and yeah. charts and whatnot. I believe so that I'm... this is pretty similar. Like, I know there's a lot of palpation on kidney one and some of the, some of the points in the foot that do correspond to um, um, some of the acupuncture points. So, yeah, there's overlap. Okay, great. This is good to know. This is good stuff. Yeah. Because people need people need healing. I mean, Baba, your show is about about healing and healing in mass and Absolutely. giving people the information that they need to heal. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I know for me personally, this is not the type of information that I generally hear. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone is really tuned into Western medicine, and they, you know, I, I just think people in general here in, in the um, in the states, they're just not aware. Mm-hmm. They're not aware. So this is all about raising awareness and really getting people to, you know, you don't want to tell anybody what to do. You don't want to tell anybody to change their habits or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think that if people had the information, they could at least make a comparison and make educated decisions about their health for themselves and their families. Absolutely. Well, you know, Chris, uh, I'm just thrilled that you're able to share with us this information. And as Dora was just mentioning, this is something that's very much needed throughout our community. Yes. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned to you in private conversation, uh, Chris, that I'm looking at you as being one of the uh, uh, drum majors, you know, medical drum majors, as it were, to uh, bring this information to the masses. Uh, whether it be through a television show or your books that you'll be writing or, you know, and, and just any way, shape, or form that this information can be um, uh, shared in mass. So uh, I'm happy. I'm humbled to be part of this, uh, this particular energy. Uh, a couple more questions. We're coming down to the end of the hour, and... Uh, Whatever we are not able to go through this evening, we will definitely continue uh, going into the next show that we have you on with us. Um, but before I continue, uh, Doctor, could you share with the listening audience how one can get in contact with you and yeah, uh, the sure, fees that sure. you um, so forth? So my telephone number, um, the number I can be reached at is 917-837-6722. Uh, that is my business phone, my cell phone. Um, you can also email me at drsawpaw at gmail. So it's dr, s is in Sam, a is in Apple, l is in Larry, t is in Tom, p is in Peter, a is in Apple, w as in William, at gmail. Um, so those are good ways of getting at me. Um, and please, if you have any questions, if you want treatment, give me a call or email. Sure. And you have three offices, right? One in New York and Pete School. Well, I have now I just closed down the one in Connecticut, um, so I'm practicing in Peekskill, and in Manhattan, in uh, the West Village. And you're and and you do visits if necessary. I do I do do house calls? House calls, and you have a and your fees are. Do you have a sliding scale as such, or 
I do. Um, different in the different locations. And so um, the typical uh, first office call treatment for acupuncture is 100. Follow-ups are 90. I, I uh, slide that scale down um, uh, to 60 first office call and 40s. 40 would be the uh, follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the sliding scale. Um, and, and Peekskill, it's a little bit different um, because, you know, Manhattan's big money. <laughs> Brooklyn and New York City tend to, tend to do better financially. Um, Peekskill, people don't. Um, and so uh, it's typically uh, $70 for the first office call and 60 for follow-up. Uh, the slide is, um, uh, what do I have it at? I think the slide is 40 for first office call and 30 uh, five for follow-ups uh, in Peaksco. Oh, great, great. Well, uh, that's uh, good to know. And, of course, your website, uh, have that as grassrootsnaturalmedicine.com? Right. It's that or drsawpaw.com, uh, com. Great, great. Well, uh, again, we would have to talk for another year <laughs> or more to cover all the information that uh, would be germane to our community uh, having access to this esoteric information, which will cease to be esoteric as we move forward, you know, and and, and, uh, the sharing of information from doctors such as yourself, Chris. Um, I'm looking forward to you coming on again soon, and hopefully we can make this a regular experience. Um, we will definitely share with the listening audience, you know, the nature of that determination. And um, are there any other thoughts that you'd like to share with us uh, for the next remaining few minutes that we have, Doctor? Well, we've covered a lot. I would just have to to say again that I think that, um, you know, if the the conversation here is about acupuncture, I think that uh, it typically works best when a person is getting treatment regular, regularly, and um, and so that's when when uh, they conduct all of the studies. They're usually seeing people three times a, a week, and there's ways around that. There's ways that you can manage that if you can't afford it. Even I think for this the sliding scale that I offer some people are is expensive. But some folks offer community acupuncture. I'm working on doing a community acupuncture clinic, um, which is uh, chair acupuncture in um, in a community of people. So you may have 10 people in a room receiving acupuncture at the same time, sitting in different chairs. Um, it's something, you know, um, I want to open up in Peekskill and in Manhattan, and there's various community acupuncture places. And this kind of, like, allows folks to get acupuncture regularly. There's also the you know, um, acupressure that we talked about, where you can do it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's key, you know. It's 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 that it's about if you're trying to treat a condition, it's about your consistency. And I think that that theme runs throughout all of uh, holistic medicine and anything that we do when we're trying to help people through their conditions is that, you know, like, for instance, if you're trying to help somebody with their diet, it's the consistency of the diet. If you have a consistently healthy diet, um, compared to um, the times where you kind of uh, fall off the wagon, I think if you can maintain consistency with your diet and your exercise, um, a good healthy diet and exercise, you'll put most healthcare practitioners out of business. So um, the same thing with acupuncture, you know, just consistently do it. You'll get good results. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, I guess, my last comments. Okay, great. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much, uh, Doctor, for joining us this evening. And um, you've shared a wealth of information, which is, I'm sure, going to benefit those of us who've been listening and taking notes. And uh, I look forward to you coming on board again with us. And I'd like you to give our love and regards to for your family. And uh, you have a, a, a blessed evening and a blessed um, week to come. You too, and it's always a pleasure sharing with you and Dora and your listening audience, and uh, I feel blessed to be able to do this with you, and uh, I'm even more excited about working more with you and, um, you know, uh, on different various projects in this radio show, so it's great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, You're welcome. So have a good night, and uh, we'll be definitely talking um, very soon again. Good night. Good night.
Uh, those of you uh, in the listening audience, I neglected to mention my website. Uh, I have a few websites, but one particular is called drumsofchange.com. Again, I repeat, that's drumsofchange.com. And at that site, uh, you can purchase an African drum, and uh, you can purchase books. Indeed, all the books that I review on the show can be purchased, and those who I don't review, uh, we have a drum store and a bookstore. Uh, the intent on my end as a African drummer and a Baba is that to share the importance of having an African drum and a designated drummer in every household of African descent. So again, that's drums of change, drums of uh, I'm sorry, drumsofchange.com, and um, on the front page there is information about my company and the purpose. So again, without any further ado, have a blessed evening. I, as always, we end the show by giving praise and homage to the one uh, most high God, to our ancestors, to my lovely wife, my uh, beloved mother, and my children, my daughter and her family, and my godsons and their families, all of my relatives and siblings, and of course, those of you throughout the cyber world, social network community, family and friends. I say peace and love, namaste, shalom, all my relations, het hotep, hetepu, assalamu alaikum, namaste. Have a blessed evening and a joyful and prosperous week.